Hi, I'm indie fantasy author Melinda Cusera, and in this episode of Fantasy Lore and More, Angie Grigalunas is joining me to talk about her book, The Midnight Prince. So what's that about? Uh, Hi, it is about a prince (laughs) and a servant who get a second chance at love um, after uncovering the truth about their painful breakup years ago. And it is a Cinderella retelling. Yeah, that's pretty much much a Cinderella retelling with Faye. Ah, so she's Cinderella? She is she is the Cinderella and he is the prince. So so they Sunshine. actually dated before, unlike yes. The so so it's kind of it's like a friends to lovers to enemies to lovers thing. Um, so they grow up as friends. Um, they meet when she is 12. So how do they get to be enemies? <laughs> Did we lose you? You've faded to silence. Angie, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Okay, that was weird. It like went totally silent. Um, what was the last? Did thing the characters not want you to tell us? Yes, <laughs> Is I that guess, some I kind of massive spoiler? There must be. They, they do not want to talk about it. Um, We've had that so... in past podcasts where people like would would try to like give us spoilers, and the sound would just cut out. <laughs> it was like wild. I guess you have. Breeze. I guess you have to read the book to find out what happens. Um, no, they have a really bad breakup, and then. And that all of that happens before the story starts. So when the story starts, they have not spoken to each other in the past seven years. Um, and the story begins with him coming home from a war. And then they are going to meet up again. And they do not like each other. And so that's where the enemies part comes in. Because they have not uh, not had a very good experience with each other. Are they so. really enemies, though? Because a lot of people do the enemies, yeah. the lovers thing. Yeah. They're not actually enemies. They're just angry or bitter about a previous you know incident um, relationship whatever but they're not actually enemies like to to be enemies (laughs) they'd have to be like actually trying to like oh you want this well i'm not going to let you have that (laughs) yeah it's it's more it's more like the angry hurt but you know pretty much considering each other as like you know you are not you are not a safe person for me whatsoever so it's okay. kind of it's more like enemies to lovers ish than actually like I want to harm you. Um, but there's definitely the very angry do not like you element of things. So that's fun. Okay. Okay. Should we go to the excerpt or do you wanna say anything more about it? Um, I mean I'm I'm good to do the excerpt if you want to. I gotta Let's figure do out how it. to hold my phone and the book at the same time. So I'm just going to read chapter one, which starts from Kieran's, like it, it's dual POV, so it goes back and forth between the two of them, uh, but it starts with his perspective. So chapter one, <clears throat> my father gapes at the wine red stains on my hands and forearms as if they're the sign of a curse. For an autumn fay, they might as well be. Kieran, he runs, rubs his fingers over his mouth and down his chin, curling his hand into a fist beneath it. With his other hand, he grips the polished wooden armrest of his throne. What have you done? I stare at him, shoulders squared. One. My father grimaces and shakes his head. His skin is brown, the dusty shade of dying leaves, the color my hands were when I left the palace seven years ago. When we kill, our our sin inks us with barren branches stretching up from our hands, like our victim's blood silently crying out from our skin. Every life taken extends the marks, deepens the branches to a brackish red and beyond, until they mirror the darkness of a cavern. 
I don't know any soldiers without at least a few branches, but the marks can evidently reach a point where the old bloodstains they mimic hit their apex, where the branches don't grow any darker or thicker or longer, though it's not for lack of trying. What have I done? It should be obvious. Without taking his eyes off me, my father beckons a servant over. The man listens for a moment, bows, and scurries from the room. A pace to my right, General Vicar clears his throat. If I may, your majesty, Kieran's presence on the front line made the, dis made the difference between victory and defeat on numerous occasions. His folded hands flex at his back. Numerous, whoops, uh, numerous occasions. Dozens of stains mar his skin, more than most other officers. But his magic isn't killing magic. He meets my glance with a half smile and settles his attention on my father. Merciless enemies must be met with mercilessness. You should be proud of him. He has honed himself into a formidable foe. Zakar would know. His enhanced memory magic allows him to forget nothing. And since he stuck close to my side, he's probably seen me kill more times than anyone else has, both with blades and my mind. As you hoped. Yes, your majesty. Zakar dips his head in a bow. My father's hard gaze slides between us. The stained glass windows high above fling pale daylight across his crown and shadows over his face. Unfortunately, a weapon's place is on the battlefield. Yet here we are in a palace. Tell me what use is honed withering magic in a palace? I bristle but say nothing. Zakar keeps his head down. His jaw tightens. My father studies Zakar for a moment longer, all the while idly tapping the armrest. The jeweled ring on each finger glimmers. General, you may take your leave. I wish to speak with the crown prince. The air locks in my chest. Never before has that title been applied to me. Zakar salutes and turns away, flashing me the slightest wince where my father can't see it. His steady footfalls soften in the distance. The instant the main doors close behind him, my father pushes up from his throne. He steps down from the dais, planting his, hips, planting his hands on his hips as he scans me. If he tries at all to hide the way his focus lingers on the stains, he fails. When we left, when I left, we were of the same build. Whether time has strengthened me or simply shriveled him, I can't tell. Or perhaps it's due to his 30th year as king approaching its end. In the weeks it's taken my army to return since the human king of Cauldron surrendered, I did find time to clean my armor at least. So he can't complain about that too. Am I to believe this is how you will behave as king? He gestures at my hands. It doesn't concern his voice, merely mockery. What, winning? I allow a faint smirk to skim my lips. Yes, I intend to keep winning. No, Kieran, being reckless and ruthless, refusing all diplomacy in favor of carnage. A cold laugh almost spills out. I settle for icy words instead. What kind of diplomacy do you think happens on a battlefield? At least one path actually gets the job done. I shrug and start past him toward the back doors of the Great Hall. Guess you should have had more sons, so the crown definitely wouldn't get down to me. Kieran. I whirl back to face him, my boots scraping across the stone floor. What? My father snags the pair of dust-colored gloves from the returning servant and holds them out. You will wear these tonight. Tonight. My plan for tonight include my plans for tonight include food, drink, and some much needed sleep, none of which require require gloves. He blinks like he's unsure whether my response is confusion, a joke, or idiocy. The masquerade. A scoff escapes. I'm not going to a ball. I'm going to bed. His eyes flare and he shakes the gloves at me. You will, in fact, attend all three balls, Kieran. Back-to-back -back evenings. Even better. As is custom, this shall be a traditional masquerade, to honor your homecoming and celebrate our victory, as well as present you as the crown prince. 
I'm a little more prepared for the title this time, but it still lands like a blow to my gut. On the final night, also as per custom, you will announce your choice for a bride. I tense. An unbidden memory of sunlight gold hair and river deep eyes glimmers to the surface. I grip my teeth to repel it. Everything within me still coils as if to lash out. My reaction is nothing more than being in this place again, certainly not because of the word bride or the thoughts of the treacherous girl I'd once foolishly imagined marrying. I wrangle the disgust and pointedly spread my arms. Don't you think my future wife should know exactly what kind of monster she's marrying? Isn't it deceitful to attempt to conceal such information? My brows tick up and I let my arms fall to my sides. You are aware that every soldier in the army has seen this, right? Plenty of others here too. I tip my head toward the nearby servant who snaps his gaze away. Perhaps, but regardless, you will wear them for the duration of the masquerade. My father holds my stare without flinching and tips his chin up to meet my challenge. He thrusts the gloves out again. It is not a request, son. For a prolonged moment, we don't move. Then I snatch the gloves from his grasp and yank them onto my hands to cover my sins. Better? Much. He matches my sneering smile. Get some rest and get cleaned up. You are to be presentable and in a better mood by dusk. I don't humor him with a response, just spin on my heel and stride from the throne room. A throne room that shouldn't be mine, yet will be, and far sooner than I can wrap my mind around. The reality of it all claws at me more with every step I take toward my old quarters. I lengthen my stride, as if my boots thudding across the so smooth marble floor could drown out the memory of my eldest brother's eldest earnest words. Bleh. As if my boots thudding across the smooth marble floor could drown out the memory of my eldest brother's earnest words mere days before his assassination. Father said he'll begin the transition ritual when I return. Even now, I can see the compassion and resolve in Farid's golden eyes as he spoke of taking Father's place, accepting the 30-year responsibility of kingship. The knowledge that he'd be bound to the people and land had never daunted him, even when we were all boys. Neither had the fact that in his final year, as those threads started unraveling and his magic weakened, he'd have to relinquish the kingdom to someone else, or the binding magic would kill him just like it'll kill father if he remains king a day beyond what the magic allows. Of the four of us, Farad had always been closest with father, always anticipated the day he'd relieve father of the burden, allowing him to enjoy his final years with mother. If father were that worried about my potential rule, he would have named a different successor years ago. Perhaps he truly considered such precautions unnecessary. After all, he had Farad, his perfect reflection, down to their matching storm magic. And if not Farid, then Samir, the second best, gifted never to grow tired and to imbue strength to others. Then Rasul, with his ability, like Zakar, to remember everything. All of them suited for life at court or as leaders. Me, fourth in line, gifted to extinguish life? Of course I'd never be king. Each rapid step I take pounds in time with my heart. Samir and Rasul never left the battlefield. Farid never made it home from negotiations with Kadran's crown prince. Now my father has three and a half months for a ritual that can take three, and just me. Servants skitter out of my way as I stalk down the hall. Some offer breathless greetings while others pin their gazes to the floor in reverence. I start to acknowledge them, but the instant I catch myself wanting to look for golden hair, I snap my gaze straight ahead and quicken my pace even more. I can traverse these halls with my eyes shut. Still, I don't dare close them, lest my mind betray me there as well, bring her face back to haunt me. My chamber smells of stale dust and old leather. Crinkled leaves littered the corners of the room, as if someone left the windows open and forgot I was coming back today. Or maybe that's how I left it, abandoned in rage. Maybe someone thought I preferred it in that state. 
Either way, it's somehow fitting. At first glance, nothing has changed inside the room, yet decay lurks in the shadows and crevices. I don't want to pretend it isn't there, hasn't followed me here. My hands are evidence of that, as Father so aptly implied. For the first time in nearly two centuries, the Autumn Fay will have a killer for a king, one whose private room should stink of death. I once thought of my people, my magic, as bringing change, offering quiet reflection and solace. Beauty. Growing up, autumn was beautiful. The turn of the seasons. Summer's vibrant, loud sun, making a way for a softer solace before winter's chill stepped in. That was before I saw my powers siphon the life from people, before I watched their bodies wither to shells at my mind's command, before I became a weapon. Behind me, the door creaks, and glass slippers clink against the floor familiar enough to recognize the woman wearing them. I shift to face her and give a stiff nod like that will keep me from shattering. Mother. Kieran, my dear, my boy. She extends a delicate hand and starts toward me, her crimson and amber gown sparkling in the patchy sunlight. I take a step back into the shadows my canopy bed makes on the stone floor between us. Emotion floods my chest, pulling me down until I sink onto the mattress. The clean linen scent washes over me. That makes it worse that the servants didn't clean the room but did freshen the sheets, probably in preparation for a woman to join me in it, within days. Like I'm ready for that, for any of this. I press a hand to my forehead, flinch at the sensation of fabric, and rip off the gloves. They land on the floor with a soft pat. My mother hasn't moved from her spot near the doorway, but I can feel her gaze slide over my hands. Her dress rustles. I'm so glad to see you, darling. No. It comes out choked. I grip my knees, my attention on the mahogany, sense, ma mahogany skin set against my black trousers. Shadows make my hands the inky color of wet leaf mold, but sunlight reveals the ruddy brown tinge, a sickening shade that sucks all light into it. Don't call me that. She inhales but falls silent. She stays that way so long that I peek up to see if she's still there. Her tender smile meets me first. Unshed tears glitter in her golden eyes. She tips her head to the side and the rubies on her crown glimmer. Do you think I love you less than your brothers? A soft step closer. That my heart doesn't sing to see you. I know it doesn't. Bitterness I don't intend for her laces the words and I rip my gaze away. But I can't stop talking, spewing feelings I thought I'd long since subdued. How can you be happy? How can you not? My voice hitches. I grip my teeth and try again. How can you not be disappointed that I'm the one left? Karen. Another rush of fabric and she's in front of me, kneeling. Her smooth, light brown hands grip my red ones. I have never been disappointed in you. She waits until I look up, then smirks, mischief in her eyes that once mirrored my own, before war ripped me to shreds and reassembled me as this. Annoyed with you at times, yes, she says, and exasperated, definitely, more often than I was with your brothers. But you were only joy. Seeing you. She unwraps one hand from mine and touches my cheek. My breath falters and I set my jaw. I'm so deeply glad you're home, my love. Everything in her manner melts too much of my resolve. Father's not. It comes out weak, like a little boy's voice. I haven't been that in a long time. She shakes her head and squeezes my hands as if she doesn't notice the color or know what it means. He is in his own way. Grief touches us all differently, as does fear. Grief and fear. Two things I know well, too well. We sniff in unison and she stands and shifts back. By the way, this isn't the room you were intended to stay in. Hence. She gestures to the leaves and then the cobwebs in the canopy above me. I hadn't noticed those before. 
Her expression turns solemn as she looks back at me. You were to be brought to the bedchamber of the crown prince. A shudder seizes my chest, rebellion burning as sharply as the pain. But I'm not. You are, love. I want this room. I let out a breath and focus on the floor between us until I steady myself. My room. She peers down at me, purses her lips, and nods. Very well. I will inform the servants then. For bathing purposes, use your brother's room. Until they get everything ready here. It's slight, but I hear it. In the way she won't use Farad's name. What must it be like to have had four sons and only welcome home one? We grieve the same absences, but she's right. We grieve differently. She grieves as one who did not get to say goodbye. I grieve as the one who watched two of them die. Her voice pulls me from the ravaged battlefields, the human and fey soldiers strewn across the countryside. You'll be able to retire here tonight after the ball. I sigh and force myself to stand. Thank you. She touches my shoulder and casts another purposeful glance over me like she's taking in what the last seven years have made me. Her grip tightens and soft eyes search mine, offering affection that I can't take hold of. Then she glides out of the room without touching me again. I remain there, frozen in the empty place where I spent the first 18 years of my life, a place that should feel like something beyond a hollow, but it doesn't. The door opens. Two light-haired servant girls startle and gasp out apologies. I wave a dismissive hand and breeze past them into the corridor before I try to get a good look at either young woman. The sooner I leave my chambers, the sooner they can clean them, and the sooner I can leave my dead brother's room and return to this one. Return to a bed that is mine but no longer my own, in a palace that was once home but is more foreign than welcoming, in a kingdom I now stand as the next in line, no, as the only one in line, to inherit. As much as I wish to leave such thoughts behind, they follow me to Farid's former bedchambers, cramming their way inside with me as I crack the door and slip through. Mother was right about this room being cleaner. Daylight floods in from four vaulted windows. No leaves or dust to be seen, nor do I care to look. I turn to the right and head toward the washroom. A handful of servants scurry around the tub, tossing different spices into the water. Another servant uses her magic to heat it. Within seconds of my approach, they scramble out of the washroom, bowing their heads in a flurry as they make their escape. Steam whisks from the water, inviting me closer, but I don't move. The swirl of spices and oils darkens the surface. If I squint, it could easily be spilled life mixing with rainwater. Never mind that every time I've bathed in the last seven years, I've gone without spices or oils, sometimes without warm water. How am I supposed to do this? I move forward on wooden feet, forcing away the instinctive feelings that I'm invading my eldest brother's privacy. If Farad were here, he wouldn't care, would have laughed at me for it. Yet if he were still here, I wouldn't be entering his chambers or taking his place as crown prince. I could let my legs turn to branches in the washroom doorway, rooted in place. This place that is not mine. Only until tonight. Even as I think it, I know that's not what my mind means with its soundless cry. This role is not mine. With listless movements, I undress and step into the water. It flushes over me, scalding but not hot enough to burn my thoughts or cares away. How I can feel both nothing and everything at once, I do not know. I tip my head back against the tub's smooth edge and finally let my eyes close. I brace myself for flashes of combat, for flaxen hair between my fingers and her soft, soft lips smiling up at me. There's only darkness. And apart from the sloshing of water, there's silence. It won't last, can't last. But for this moment, it remains. And I wrap myself in it. But my mind won't stay silent. A masquerade ball. To celebrate my return and our victory over the humans who just don't know when to quit. The celebration part, I suppose I can accept. It's the other part, 
finding a bride. Again, my insides tense at the word. Like any of this pomp matters. It's a waste of time, resources, food. Completely unnecessary and all for show. My father should have just picked a woman from our kingdom, even from one of the other Fey kingdoms, and presented her as my bride. Though he probably assumed I'd rebel against the woman he chose. A younger me would have. A different me. This me, whatever husk of a man, has come home from the front line. Can't even pretend to care who I marry. I won't be able to love her, so it doesn't matter who or who she is or what she is. She doesn't even have to be pretty or kind or close to my age. Might be easier to ignore her if she's undesirable in every way. Though I'll still have to produce at least two heirs. I'd probably best remember that. The notion turns my guts to ash. Once I would have cared, had cared. Had wanted everything that came with romantic love. Once upon a time I wish I could forget I thought I'd found her. Had been so sure I'd found her. But now, any woman is fine. So long as she doesn't expect anything from me. Least of all for me to want her. Marrying me, it's a dreadful fate for any woman who will attend over the next three nights. I already pity my wife. Not one girl knows what she's walking into. What kind of marriage she'll actually face if she's chosen. Maybe the splendor of being queen will be enough to appease her, give her a happy enough existence. Still would have been better to make it entirely political. Even a magic-based match would have been better, because Forrest knows she has to have magic. I draw my hands up through the water to wipe my face. Bubbles fizz across my skin and lazily dissipate. Deep red hands and forearms matching the bloodstains I no longer bear on my body. Decay encases the heart in my chest. Though I live and breathe inside, I'm cracked and stone cold and lifeless. The way I've left everything else I've touched. So no, I won't watch for that golden-haired traitor tonight or imagine that somehow she might have returned to work in this palace. I won't lose myself in the magnificence and clamor of the festivities and presume for even a moment that I could find someone to be happy with. I'll simply single out whichever acceptable woman seems the most like she doesn't want to be there, and that'll be it. And that's the end of chapter one. I don't know if you want me to go on or not, but... Oh, wow. That's quite a... There's a lot of pining going on in there. <laughs> That's not... It doesn't sound like he thinks of this golden-haired girl as the enemy. Um, I take it that's our Cinderella. Yes. Yes. He's, What's her... He's, he he doesn't know her what... name. <laughs> oh, her name, her name is Alia. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, Alia and Kieran. So... Yeah, he's he's in a weird place of I hate her, but I still kind of love her, and he doesn't know what he wants. Doesn't sound like he he's hates just, her. <laughs> he's just a mess. She she's the one who got away. So yeah, it's a messy situation. So, okay, so he's so. got some kind of magic that kills people. Like I didn't quite get a good read on yes, that. Yes, so it it kind of explains it a little bit more as the story goes. Um, but his magic is what they call withering magic. Um, which basically means that he can turn people to dust. <laughs> um, oh, that's he, nice. He pretty much he pretty much like can suck the life out of people, um, and then they turn to dust. So, and he can do that whether he touches them or with his mind. And then he also like he has killed like using weapons as well. But, um, but when he kills using his magic, that is what he's doing all right so, so they're so violent <laughs> yeah so why are they so they're fighting humans in this war like what's is yes. the war over so, is it or he's just back because they asked him to come back 
so the war is over. Um, and that also is explained more in the story too. Um, so basically the setup is that they have been fighting for the past seven years against humans. Um, and his eldest brother was trying to negotiate some peace and then he was assassinated. Um, and then Kieran's other two brothers, Kieran's the youngest. Um, so his other two brothers were also killed on the battlefield. Um, but kind of like in the midst of that, the Fae also won the war. Um, so Kieran is home both because the war is over and also because um, he is now the crown prince. And so had the war not been over, they would have called him home anyway. Um, but the war is over as well. They have basically arranged a peace treaty um, in the wake of his brother's death, his oldest and brother's death. So what were they fighting over? That I'm not totally sure. Um, I kind of have made stuff up as I go. Um, but a lot of it is just like the humans do not like the Fae. Um, and the Fae don't like the humans. And so it's kind of a... The humans trying to just eradicate the Fae, pretty much. And the Fae not wanting to be eradicated. Yeah. Um, sounds so, like the humans failed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's... Um, it's like a long standing that there's just like animosity between this nation and then Kieran's people. So, um, and that kind of gets into some other, some other stuff that I have planned in the world, um, of like reasons why, but the basically many years ago, uh, a group of Fae did some really bad stuff to this human nation. And so that just kind of like set them on this path of we hate you and we're going to try to kill you all. So, you know, fun times. Is this, is this the first book in the series? Uh, it sounds like so, it is. So sort of. Um, so this is actually part of a multi-author series um, of standalones. So mine is just, we, we did each, uh, we each did a fairy tale, um, and we focused on the male lead of the fairy tales. And so mine was Cinderella. And so, um, that's what I came up with for the Cinderella. Uh, but it's actually in a world that I have, that I had started a couple of years ago, um, with a beauty and the beast retelling of mm. the winter Bay. Um, and so I have plans to write, some other retellings in the world. So I'm not sure exactly like what the reading order will end up being. If this will be like, you need to read this one first. Um, or if it's going to be something that it's like more independent standalones that kind of connect. Um, and all together, they will sort of tell this overarching story. Um, I haven't fully decided how that goes yet, but it's either the first in the series, like the eventual series I'm going to write in the world, or it's just going to be like, you can read them in any order. So. But, yeah. I see. I, see. I have, so, the, I have the beauty ahead. and the beast one. And then I also have a snow white one planned. Um, and then I have some other stories in the world planned that are not like directly fairy tale retellings, but they are going to take place in one of the kingdoms in my my world so and the book has a map in it so <laughs> i have some other some other options of uh who to use with it so 
so it's a series of standalones by different authors. This is part Correct. of. Correct. How many yeah, so. other books are in the. There are that? 11, 11 other ones. So it's 12 total. Um, mine was released fifth, which doesn't really matter. It just, that's just kind of the order that it ended up being. Um, but yeah, there are 12 books total and they're all like popular fairy tales. Um, a couple of them are like gender swapped versions. I think there's two, there's two or three that are like the gender swapped version of mm -hmm. their fairy tale. So, um, but they're just kind of all, all different ones. Um, so it was really fun to be a part of. It was, I was really honored to be chosen and then just it, it ended up, it's gone really well. Oh, that's awesome. And you're going to do your own thing, continuing the fairy tale retelling separate from Correct. that, but in the yeah. same world. Yes. Yeah. So I had before um, trying to think of when the two authors that kind of like headed, like were in charge of it, trying to think of when they contacted me. I want to say it was like maybe September, like August, September of last year, asking me if I wanted to be part of it. Um, kind of explaining what it was. And since I already had started this Beauty and the Beast retelling fairy tale world, um, I was able to just like put this in as part of that world. So that was pretty cool to be able to like pull from something I already kind of started. I didn't really know the world super well when I'd started the Beauty and the Beast thing. Um, but I had some of the stuff established. Like I had the nations established for one thing. And okay. So that was... That was kind of, I did have to add in. So I made it like my fae are like each season is a fae kingdom. Um, and when I first did the Beauty and the Beast thing, I think I only had, I think I just had summer and winter fae. Um, or maybe they were just, it was like just fae in general. Like it wasn't specific, um, specific nations. So, but when I came up with this one, I'm like, all right, we're going to make it that they're like, there are four fey kingdoms. They go with the seasons. And then he is the Prince of Autumn. So they have like autumn magic, <laughs> like things that things that kind of would go with fall. Mm -hmm. No, that's cool. So when you do your own when you uh, when you return to this world and write other retellings, will they be standalones or will it be a more connected series? I'm really I'm really not sure. I'm kind of in between a pantser and a plotter, and so I kind of like plot some things, and then I'm like, we're just gonna wing the rest of it. Um, so I I feel like the Beauty and the Beast is probably going to be a duology, um, and so. And I, and I don't, I'm trying to figure out like the timeline of when it would fit in. Um, I feel like it probably takes place like almost at the same time as this one, or mm -hmm. at least like very close. So I could see it being either that it's like kind of a consecutive series. Um, but I could also see it being something that's more like you can kind of start on any of them. Um, and then they all kind of connects but they're all going to be like kind of their own thing um so i'm kind of up in the air about that i'm i'm just trying to figure out all of the little pieces so i haven't ever done a 
series of interconnected standalones before. Any series that I've come up with, it's been like very much like you have to read book one, then book two, then book three. Like you, you know, you can't skip mm-hmm. around. Um, so with this, I'm just trying to kind of put it together of whether I want it to be something that you would need to start with the Midnight Prince and then go into the next ones, or if it could be something that you can start at any point. So, but I probably have, um, I think I added up, it was like five or six stories in the world that I have kind of planned or have started in some fashion. Um, And like I said, some of them are going to be fairy tale retellings and some of them are not, but they're still in the world. No, that's cool. So you have other series outside of these fairy tale retellings, it sounds like. Yes, I have. Well, not complete, um, but I have two books out in a dystopian fantasy series that is a very different type of story. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I have the first two out in that. And then I was supposed to release book three of that in December, in earlier December, and had a bunch of delays. Um so I had to push that out. And right now it's like I have a pre-order up for it, but it's going to be a while before I get that one out. But that one is planned to be like six. And then I have a spinoff trilogy that goes with it. That's kind of like a prequel thing. I want it to be a thing that you can like, you don't have to have read the main series to read the trilogy. Um, but there are some spoilers in the trilogy for the main series. And so they're not like major spoilers, but I, like the series needs to be, I need to at least release book four probably of the series before I can publish the trilogy. So uh, those are all in the works too. <laughs> oh, wow. Got a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I was like three other people and I could get it all done. Oh, believe me. I, <laughs> I, I have the same wish. Yeah. I, I feel your pain as being somewhere between a pantser and a plotter. Uh, I am ex- I am that too. Yeah. I plot and then the characters decide they don't like the plot. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Negotiate yeah. or they just go do their own thing. And I'm like, uh, guys, we promised yeah. at the end of the last book that you would do X. You actually have to do X somewhere yeah. in this book. This is how it goes. No. You know, there's a thing called reader expectations and they're expecting (laughs) you to do this thing. So do it. (laughs) That's my current nightmare. Yeah, I I understand. You just have to do this one thing. (laughs) That's all I'm asking. In my other, in my trilogy that goes with the main series, um, it's basically like a marriage of convenience, enemies to lovers thing. And I was kind of like revising some stuff and all I needed these people to do was go to sleep so that the next morning they could get married. And the guy character is like, absolutely not going to sleep. Like he won't get in bed. He won't go to sleep. He won't relax. And then like some stuff happens. He's like, do you want to go take a walk? And it's like, no, go to sleep. Oh my gosh. So I understand. They just, they do what they want to do. And I could not. I could not like force write him going to sleep because he's high strung and has issues, but yeah. So they, they definitely uh, have their own plans of things. Yep. We can only lead them 
towards the towards the things we want them yeah. to do we can't actually yes. make them do it it'd be no. easier if we could but it doesn't it work that be. way i do find that it like when they sort of take over the story i feel like it goes better than mm. what i had originally planned so well until they then, get into a serious problem and they can't figure out how to get out of it and they turn yeah. to you it's like oh like, now it's okay. my, now it's my job again figure Thanks. out how we get out of this and i'm like uh you did this you yeah, figured it out i'm not I didn't helping want you, to be you. In this situation at all yeah, yeah my outline did not have you in this situation <laughs> why do you, you think i would know way. how to get you out of it <laughs> yeah totally yeah. feel that it definitely yeah definitely can be frustrating but once it all does come together it seems to be a much better story yeah so, no i totally at least agree that's on my that experience. But. i i i've had the same experience you end you end up like with something you didn't expect and mm-hmm. it just i think it's better i i yeah. i would agree with that yeah in my main series the dystopian fantasy um I originally had it that it only followed one sister. Like it, so it follows two sisters kind of on opposite sides of a brewing rebellion in their city. And I originally had it that it just followed the younger sister because the older one was killed for being a rebel. And then I needed to kind of figure out like why the older sister was the age that she was and she wasn't married because in the culture, like it didn't really fit. And so like the backstory character to explain why she wasn't married became one of the main characters and then the rebel sister and the rebel leader decided that they didn't actually want to die and so i just changed the entire plot of everything (laughs) and it's completely different and it's so much better than it would have been but yeah they they took over everything and but it works because the backstory guy is now like the fan favorite and like there are people who say that he is like their favorite guy character like in any book series. So that is That's a pretty cool. Pretty high honor to have that that role, but um but yeah, like he wasn't intentional at all. It was like you're supposed to be like you're supposed to be a backstory character. And he's like, "No, I want to be a character." I'm like, "No, you're backstory." He's like, "No, I want to be like a main character." <laughs> like, "No, you need to stop." So yeah, he's taking over the story now, and he would call himself the protagonist. So you know, it just—it is what it is. It is, and we do what we can <laughs> with these characters. They yeah. don't always do what we need or what we want. Yeah, but I think it's fun to kind of have that happen, as frustrating as it can be sometimes. Yeah. So the magic in this world so his magic Mm -hmm. withers things is he the only one with magic in this book or are there any other types of magic there are several other people um his is the the main magic um i can't really explain because it might have something to do with why they broke up um but there are definitely other types of magic that we get to see and then he kind of alludes to other people other people's magic so When I was coming up with the magic system, um, like I said, I had started the Beauty and the Beast thing like a couple years before I started this one. And in that one, it's the Winter Fae. And so like my Winter Prince just has winter magic. Like he can make ice and snow and stuff. And so like that was pretty straightforward. Um, 
And so when I was coming up with this, I'm like, I need other types of magic. So I kind of did a very season-based thing. Um, and so like with, with autumn, with fall, um, I kind of, I looked up a lot of stuff that people kind of associate with autumn. Um, so like one of the things is like changing color, like the leaves changing color. And so one of the magic gifts that people have is that they can change the color of things. Um, and it's kind of like a, a minor gift that like they don't like you can't really do a whole lot with it, but they can change the color of things or they can change the state of things. Um, they can change the like they can preserve things or make things less preserved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of stuff with fall is, you know, the leaves, the leaves die. Um, things kind of start going into a hibernation mode. And so there's stuff with that. Um, autumn is also kind of associated with rest and reflection and um, just kind of like a quiet, quiet thing. Um, and so there's magic that kind of relates to that, that it's, you know, there's memory magic. There's um, like resting and things. Um, so there's there's magic that helps people relax, that helps them with emotional healing and just all kinds of stuff. Like anything that I could think of this, like this kind of fits a fall vibe. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of came up with a magic and it I broke it down um, that there's like physical manipulation of things. And then there's like mental slash emotional manipulation. Um, and then it's kind of alluded to in in the part that I read. but fall a lot of times is you know the weather's a little bit crazy um at least where i'm from it usually is pretty stormy and rainy and so you know some of the magic is the power like of wind of creating storms of creating rain um where you can control that kind of stuff so like kieran's dad has the like he can make storms and that's his magic so he's basically <laughs> storm from the x-men um <laughs> But, but so that, you know, that's kind of like the top tier. And then there's also people that, you know, they have air manipulation and they can just make it like windy. They can't make actual storms, but they can make it windy. And then there's people that, you know, like they have the next step up and like they can make it windy and they can also make it rain. And then they have people that, you know, it just kind of goes up. So there's different levels to each of the gifts usually. Um, and so Kieran's is kind of part of this rot type gift um mm -hmm. that like he's the top like the top tier of the rot category um where that he can make something pretty much like rot slash suck the life out of it to the point that it is nothing like it's just dust um so that's that's kind of how that goes but and then the other fey kingdoms will obviously have like season specific magic for for them as well so yeah it's pretty fun i haven't figured out everything with the other kingdoms um but i have like several pieces like okay i know that you know spring is going to be like healing magic is very very prevalent in a spring kingdom um you know obviously in winter there's going to be like with making stuff cold with making ice with making actual snow with um you know, any type of freezing things and whatnot. And, you know, summer would be more like they would have fire magic and blah, blah, blah. So 
just trying to make it kind of season specific and mm-hmm. and different levels of it. So it's the first book that I've written that has magic in it. Um, so that was definitely a uh, <laughs> a different thing for me. So uh, I'm still figuring out all the pieces of things with that. Which is totally fine. I mean, who? nobody, uh, I mean, maybe there are authors out there who have nailed down every little bit of their world uh, yeah. and their magic, but I'm not her. Yes. Especially with yes. characters who don't listen to anything. Exactly. You could plot all sorts of things out for your world and they could just never do it. <laughs> so no yeah. one ever knows that that's yeah. there or they could completely change parts of it that no one has seen yet and you're like well i'm glad that hasn't <laughs> yeah. been in a book yet <laughs> yes. so yes. that nobody knows so, yeah there's always the uh that stage of making stuff up and changing it yeah yeah that's the beauty yeah. of being a fantasy author so what are yes. you writing now um so i'm kind of in between stuff um like i said i was Supposed to get book three of my main series out this December. And I, like, in the mad rush of everything that happened this year with different projects, um, I pretty much got to the point where I could focus completely on book three of my series. And then I hit a wall of burnout. So I'm still sort of kind of crawling my way out of that. So I'm not actively writing anything right now. Um, And my main focus when I like start writing stuff again is working on book three and doing edits on that. But um, I'm thinking it's probably going to be wisest to do some of the fairy tale stories next, um, just because the midnight prince has been doing really well. And a lot of people who have read it want more books in the series. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of planning for next year to just be like a writing year mm-hmm. because this past year was very much a like, very very heavy edit focused publish like it it was just crazy um just mad mad rush but yeah so you can publish more books in that world because you said it was like a shared so it's not really a shared world it was like we're all gonna write fairy tale books and you can do it in your world and there's nothing that crosses over and we'll all just release them together and pool resources and promotions Exactly. So with the multi-author series, it was pretty much like the only thing that binds the books together is that they are around the same length um, and they all focus on the male lead of popular fairy tales. So I think all of the books end up having, I don't know if all of them do, at least most of them end up having dual perspectives. So it's like the guy and the girl, um, prince and the princess or the male lead and the female lead. Um, but it kind of, it is a little bit more toward, like, it's more the guy's story than the girl's story. Um, even if she has a perspective, it's not focused as much on her arc as his. So, um, but yeah, other than that, like we had basically free reign, um, we could do whatever we wanted and it just needed to be, you know, needed to follow the fairy tale guideline. Um, they're all clean. Like, no language, not graphic violence, no sex stuff. Um, But other than that, like, we could do whatever we wanted. So it was really, really cool that way because there is so much freedom now. It's like, you know, I can 
I can write as many books in this world as I want. And like, it's not something that, you know, I have to ask permission or anything. So it's like, it's very much my world and my characters and, um, you know, none of the other authors like have any, anything in my story. Like it's, it's mine. Theirs are theirs. Um, so it's a really cool, really cool it way to do things. Yeah, I know. No, it, I, yeah, go on, go on. That's why I'm asking uh, about it because this is not an arrangement that I've heard before and it's, it's neat. So go on, yeah. go on. Well, I was going to say when I very first, like the very first thing I had published was in an anthology um, and it was just a little short story in an anthology. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was like a for charity kind of thing. So like I never saw anything from it. Um, and so for a while, like anthologies seemed to be like all the rage like everybody was wanting to be in anthologies yeah. it was a way to get your name out there and stuff like that yeah uh, i did a whole and bunch I don't... myself <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I feel you on that i did nine or ten of them myself yeah. and only like uh a couple of them there was any sort of anything from it uh, the yeah. ones that did the best was the one i actually led <laughs> yeah that was a lot of work i don't know if i would do yeah. that again oh yeah i can imagine um so I'm not sure when I first started seeing like this multi-author series thing pop up. I feel like it's been within the past maybe maybe two years or so. Yeah, they seem to like... pop up mostly in romance. Like I haven't seen yeah. any outside of that because like I, I myself don't really write mm -hmm. romance. Yeah. Yeah. So it I've seen more in like it like a fantasy romance kind of thing. Um yeah which this would pretty much fall under that. I mean, like it, it definitely has like mystery type elements and stuff. And, um, you know, it's not the most straightforward Cinderella retelling, but there is definitely a heavy focus of romance in it, but there's other stuff too, which is not that, but, um, but yeah, so it, um, yeah, I, I don't know when I first started seeing stuff, but it became this thing that's like multi-author series is like the new thing because everybody mm -hmm. has their own book in it. And, you know, there's usually some type of parameter that would bind them together. Um, but then everybody does like they pull their resources and, you know, we had, you know, with this, we had 12 authors, so we had 12 authors promoting stuff and, you know, it just gets the information out there so much more because you have, you know, we have a couple of bigger, like in the fantasy fairy tale retelling like we have a couple of authors that are kind of like more well known mm -hmm. um and so it was like amazing to have them be part of it because they kind of brought in their group of people like their fans and you know so there's there's all of that aspect of it that you know you just multiply it so much by um you know by the amount of authors that are in it and then everybody gets to keep their own like you know it's it's a book on my you know on my list that's like it's mine completely and mm -hmm. i get all the royalties from it um but it's connected to this other thing and so you know, like when one of them does well like all of them do well and so it's it really really falls in with the uh like a rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing so like when one of the books is performing well like there's a chance that the others will start to perform well as well so that's a pretty cool thing and one of the things we did it's not in the paperback version but in the ebook version um 
we were able to put the first chapter of like the next book in the end matter. So, oh, okay. Are there links so to each, all the books in there? Or it's just that one chapter for the I next believe, one. I believe there are links. I think at the very beginning, like it's, you know, there's like other books in the series. Um, there's definitely a link in the ebook that you can get to the series page and find the other books in the series. But so like the first book has the second books, chapter one in it. And so like each one kind of goes into the next. So you can get a little preview of the next book in the series, um, whichever one that you pick up. So like, it, and it That's just, cool. it circles, it circles around. So it's a really, it's been a really, really good experience. Um, the girls who put it on did a great job just like organizing everything. It was very well organized. Um, so, and it's just been, just been really fun to be part of it. And we had to, we had to pay for our own editing and we had to pay for the cover. Um, and then we had to get it formatted and everything, but um, like the same more books as the one that did the cover. And so we got a series discount and, you know, we kind of had it set up of who, like the order of when we're going to be working on our covers with them. Um, and we had, they're, they're very good, very thorough with their little questionnaire that they send. Um, so it didn't take super long to get the cover and, um, yeah, so it's been a really good experience. I would definitely do another one again with like the same people that put it on. Uh, I would not hesitate to join another one if they ever do it again. So, but it would definitely, like you were saying with the anthology, it was definitely a lot of work. So they're like, yeah, we're going to take a little break for right now. <laughs> like we might yeah. do it again, but not anytime soon. Like that's fine. I understand. I totally feel that the, the last anthology that I did was the one that I ran, and that was in 2020. Mm -hmm. It it launched on my birthday, which is March 10, 2020, which was like the day that oh like the whole world shut down and everybody was looking yeah. for stuff to read. So that was that was that was kind actually of, good was, timing, probably. I, it was totally I by accident. I just, I, I was leading the project. So I just picked my birthday because I take my birthday, yeah. the week of my birthday off from work. And I knew how mm -hmm. much like launch week was, there was 20 authors that were part of it. So I knew wow. it was going to be a lot of work. So I was like, I'm, let me just set it for a week. I always take off, which is week of my birthday yeah. and let's have it launch on that, that Monday <laughs> of my birthday. Um, it was just, I had no idea. <laughs> I we had started oh planning God. this like four or five months before gathering people. Oh, wow. Get it? Like I had no idea. Like <laughs> that was gonna. That was like. That was like a yeah. once in a lifetime kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not really uh, anything you could have anticipated there. <laughs> no. No. The timing of it. Yeah. yeah, and despite all but the yeah. COVID stuff, it was a great experience. <laughs> yeah, that's good. that's good. It gave like yeah, it gave all the twenty people who are a part of it. Like it gave us like a focus. You know, mm -hmm. when every world was going crazy, we had the plan. We it was uh, it was a trilogy of anthologies, so we had a plan. Okay. Everybody had writing deadlines. There were editing deadlines. Like everybody, yeah. like it gave us like structure and stability. Mm -hmm. Like. You know what I mean? Like the whole world's going nuts, but like uh, we still yeah. have these deadlines. We have these things that we set up and these goals and the three anthologies were already on 
two of the other two were on pre-order. So we had to deliver mm-hmm. and then we had yeah. pre-orders. Cause so like, so in, in, a, in that way, like, I'm really glad I did it because it yeah, gave us something in, in a time when the whole world was going crazy. Yeah, definitely. Just kind of some, something grounding. <laughs> yeah. And then it was over. We're all a little bit lost. Like, yeah. Wait, I have no more deadlines. Wait, what do I do yeah. with this time thing that I have? Yeah, that was, that was how it was releasing. Cause we started, I think we announced it in May. Was it May that we, I want to say it was in May that we announced, like, this is what we're doing. We had kind of been like, teasing it a little bit it's like oh we have this secret project coming stay tuned for news and so i'm pretty sure it was mayish that we announced what it was um and then like weekly we had something that we were putting out and um like we had cover reveals and so it was like every week there was a cover reveal and then we um we released them one a week for 12 weeks and so we got to the last one. The last one just released um, on the 15th. And it was like, now what? Like, this is weird. Like, we've been posting about it nonstop every week for like five months. I'm like, what do we do with ourselves now that we don't have to do that anymore? Like, now right? I guess we just promote them. But but it was definitely, it's like, this is kind of like sad and bittersweet to, to get to this point. It's like, I cannot believe we're actually here, but I don't know what to do with myself now. I, so. I know that feeling. It's like, wait a minute. You mean I don't have to get on social media, get on this or that? You mean I'm I'm just done? I can just do yeah. something else. Yeah. So, but it's been it's been a little weird to not have all of that, but it's really cool to see the response so far. Like, there's there have been a lot of people that have really really enjoyed them. So. Um, that's really cool can't really can't really ask for anything more than that like it's it's done really well overall for everybody i think so it's a pretty pretty cool little project oh that's it sounds like a really positive experience definitely so you said next year is the year of writing so next year is going to be your main series which is the dystopian and then you might swing back around yeah i'm thinking so um, what I'd kind of like to do, and I haven't like fully decided that I'm going to do this. I'm just kind of like staying open to things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm feeling like the fairy tales are all going to be a little bit shorter than my main series. Like my main series is ridiculous. Like the book three right now is like 170,000 words. Um, whereas the midnight prince is like 50,000 words. <laughs> so, um, but I'm thinking if I can keep the fairy tale retellings that I have on the shorter side, um, it won't take as long to write them all. And then that way I can at least have them written and, you know, be sending them to beta readers and then like start into the editing process and everything and start releasing them. But I like coming off this year with just like the crazy schedule that I had with so much mm-hmm. editing. Like, I just need a break from my brain where I can just create and um, just kind of, like, figure out how to write again and not just edit. My goodness. Mm. Um, So I feel like focusing on the fairy tales and getting through at least some of them, then that way I have them and, you know, I I can start putting them out 
like the next year. I so. see. So then, so then the next release will be wait, next year's 2024, 2025. We're recording this right. on December 29th of 2023. Okay, yeah. So if you're listening to this and it's 2025, look for the next books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think, I think having a period of time where I'm just focusing on writing, where it's not like I have to write this and now I have to send it to beta readers and editor and all that. Like if I can just focus on writing mm-hmm. for a while, um, then I think that I will have a better, have more brain power to do editing and revising. So, um, oh, yeah. but yeah, I'm thinking if I can, if I can knock out quite a few of the fairy tales and get them written next year um, over 2024. And then I'm also going to like, I need to release book three of my main series in there as well. Um but once that is out, like really focus on just writing these and get some of them out. And then that will kind of, you know, give me a little bit more income, hopefully, to sustain the not as well-selling dystopian fantasy series. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Still kind of up in the air. It all just depends on how easily I can get into the edits for book three. Um but I'm just trying to let my brain rest a little bit because it was pretty much like I pretty much hit the ground running in January of this year and did not stop at all for anything. And until like November when I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to push out this release because I can't get it done. So, but it was, it was a lot because I'm also an editor. And so I was editing client projects and just not giving myself any time in between things to relax and kind of refresh myself it's like all right i'm gonna go from this to this to this and write this entire little book and get it edited and published and i'm kind of a slow writer and so like having a very tight deadline was really good but it was also stressful so but it turned out really good just kind of broke my brain a little bit and what about it broke your brain? Was it like just the concentrated amount of effort or? Just, yeah. And like pretty much from, so I finished writing book three of my main series. And I believe like it was like May 10th is when I finished. And then I pretty much did nothing but editing for the next like seven months. And even though I love editing and I love revising, like not having a more creative outlet, like everything was so like fixing it focused Mm -hmm. that I couldn't just kind of have fun with anything. Um, That just was, it was too, too much for me. Um, Like I definitely, I need to write as like a recharging, refreshing thing. And I didn't allow myself to do that because I had deadlines and I, I didn't have time to write. I needed to be editing. And so everything was focused on editing. And so I'm just trying to get back into the, like the writing brain. Cause it's a different, it's a different process than editing. Oh yeah. So just yeah. Like allowing myself to just write and create. Um, it's been a very long time since I allowed myself to do that. When so, was last time? Just, I'm just curious. Like May basically may okay yeah Yeah, that that's quite a few months that's what seven months ago so and i've you know i've written i've written stuff in the books 
since then, but it was all like revision focused. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just, I'm just going to like freely write this and just have fun with it. So, um, and like I said, I mean, I, I love editing. I love revising. I love taking something and then making it better, but doing only that for so long, like they got me very lopsided. <laughs> it's like, okay, I need to just kind of step back and I just need to have some fun with writing for a little bit because this mm. has been so intense and so intensely focused on like making it better that I kind of have forgotten how to just make it in the first place. <laughs> right. Right. So, I, I can totally see how that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think it'll be good to have some writing time and be able to jump back into it and figure out a better like a better process for myself when it comes to kind of jumping back and forth between editing and writing. So like with my own stuff at least because it was like the client edits weren't really I mean like they were they were time and like I obviously you know put a lot of effort and passion into them but it was like my own deadlines that were staring me in the face that it was like so intense. I was like, I can't, I can't have fun with this. I have to do it right now. I can't so. imagine that. Like, I can't imagine yeah, going that many months without like just writing something. Yeah. Just being locked. I can't imagine that. Like, <laughs> and I write multiple books per year. I just, I can't imagine that. I'm always yeah. like writing something while editing something else. I work full time, yeah. not as an author or an editor, yeah. <laughs> not as any of these things. And and I totally feel it. But like, if it if it's a choice between editing or writing, like I will just write and be like, yeah, tomorrow <laughs> or the next day. Exactly. Or, you know, yeah. it's not on pre order yet, so no one's worried. No one's waiting for it. <laughs> you know, only the patrons know that the book is actually finished. <laughs> no yeah. one else knows. <laughs> You know, it's like that TikTok meme, nobody's going to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that very much runs through my head. I'm like, are they really going to know? Like, yeah, maybe I just write tonight. Maybe, maybe tomorrow we work on the edits. You know? Yeah, Editing. We'll do editing tomorrow. Right. So, I'm so bad yeah, on that. I'm looking forward to just kind of writing and having fun and exploring. And, and I think it'll be helpful too to like have several things written. So that I can like be doing some editing on things. And then like I also have the option of writing. So right. just giving myself a little bit more, a little bit more grace. I'm not so good at uh, that. <laughs> You're more But yeah, I mean, overall, I... it's been, it's been a great year with everything that I've gotten done and, you know, publishing what I did publish. So mm -hmm. yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about the Midnight Prince or any, we like covered many topics today. Oh yeah. Been all over the place. Um, I don't think so. I could read the blurb. I didn't really read the blurb. Yeah. Let's, let's get the official blurb my, out there. But like might clarify some things. Um, I'm all about so. the clarification. <laughs> a bitter prince, a rejected servant, a revelation that could change everything. When Prince Kieran of the Autumn Fae returns home from war, all he wants is food, drink, and sleep. But with his older brothers dead, he's now the only heir, and he needs a wife, as soon as possible. Which wouldn't be a problem, except he's not over the girl who shattered his heart seven years ago. 
Half-human Alia avoids her noble stepfamily by living among the Fae King's servants. Her life of an anonymity serves her well and helps her forget how Kieran betrayed her, that is, until they're thrust back into each other's lives. Their hostile reunion leaves both reeling, until they realize their memories of their breakup don't match, and neither is lying. With mere days before Kieran has to choose a bride, they must put aside their hurts and fight to uncover the truth. And in the process, maybe, just maybe, they'll find a second chance to fight for each other. Aww. So, it's cute. I really like it. It's cute. And we know, because it's a romance, but they're always happy for now or happily ever after. That. Yes, there, there will be a happy ending. Um, so... It's not really a spoiler to say. No, it's that's what I was thinking. I was like, it's not really a spoiler. Like that's like a genre expectation. Yeah. If it wasn't a romance, then we don't know. Right. It could get very GRRM and you know, very bloody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it could go in a whole other direction. They could just be yeah. friends. But yeah, yeah, with romance, there's kind of one ending it's heading towards. Yes. Yeah. Which so is not a bad thing. Not a spoiler, but you know. They're going to find a second chance to fight for each other. So Yeah, and it's the how yeah. that people are going to read it's for. The yeah, it's the how That's and the what in the world happened and all of that. So it's a what pretty... makes them decide to give each other a second chance. Right, right. So um, I definitely how... wanted it to be yeah. like, you know, I, I can't really like mm, spoilers, but there's not any sort of like cheating or anything that happens. So it's it's something very different than that. Okay, that's good because so yeah, as well, giving a like, cheater you know, a second chance is eh, that gets into well, the ick. <laughs> yeah, for me, because well, like the you know like betrayal and traitor and all that. It's like okay, well, what happened here? It's okay, it wasn't it wasn't that. There was something else. But it's definitely a um, little twisty, twisty thing. So. And we will find out all the twists and turns if you go and run out and buy this. And it's yes. available as an ebook from Amazon. I don't mm -hmm. think those are the only places that you've got listed. Yeah. Is it Kindle Unlimited? Um, it is on Kindle Unlimited and okay, it's also so, paperback. Um, so the ebook is only through Amazon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I don't know when this will air, like when you end up putting it up, but if it's still the 29th, it is free today. Oh, okay. It's not free tomorrow. It is free today. It so, might be up today. We'll see how much editing this needs. It's still, yeah, it's still in Kindle Unlimited, and it's three ninety nine to buy it. So, yeah, I try to get them up right away. So, yeah. this should probably go up today. So, people listening cool. today, go get it. And the links will be in yeah. the description of the show notes. Thank you so much, Angie, for coming on here. So today we were talking about the Midnight Prince and. A whole lot of other stuff. Yeah. And today we had Angie Grinalunas. I got that right again. Grinalunas. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for coming on and talking with me about your book. It sounds really cool. So I wish yeah, you the best you. of luck with it. And hopefully you'll yeah. be back with another fantasy book sometime in the future. <laughs> that would be great. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. It was kind of fun to listen to at least. No, I think, I think it's a little it's a little different. And I think that every interview is a little bit different. And I think that's what's fun about them. Yeah, but for definitely. me, there's there's no two interviews that are alike, which which is really interesting because I've done over 50 of these. and They're all very yeah. different. There's very cool. there's. Yeah. So um, thank you again. And thank you all for listening. 
and we'll have another fantasy author back next time so have a great day or great night wherever you are and make sure to follow or favorite or whatever your podcast or youtube lets you do so that you get notified when the next one drops thank you